Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Maybe we have something to say now. No? I don't... I feel like this is a monumental moment, and I don't know what to I do. thought if we ever had an anniversary episode... By then, we would ha- no, like know what to say. Yeah. But I still am very clueless. We did not prepare a thank you speech. <laughs> no, we didn't. We should have. We should have. Um, but th- uh, Thanks, guys. <laughs> I feel like we're back at our first episode. I know. <laughs> Just like stumbling. Like, do we talk about how we met? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? This is called And That's Why We Drink. You want me to start off? Yeah, I'm going to open this wine. Marilyn gave me some wine. Marilyn's a fucking rock star. She made me my anniversary milkshake today. That's right. And it looks like a true crime milkshake because what's the red stuff? Strawberry syrup. She made it look like blood. She had it dripping down from the edges. Mm -hmm. She also used, she also used Oreos as graveyard crumbs. Mm -hmm. And then she used Sour Batch Kids for zombies. It's really cute. It tastes amazing. She planned this for several days. Um, She's the best. She bought me this bottle of wine and also... She's so Marilyn is um you probably see her on the secret group on Facebook. She's been staying with me for a little bit. Uh her she's had some troubles lately. Um her dog was given away without her permission and it took a while but everybody was really helpful and she got her little pup dog back and so she's been staying with me and is trying to find a new place to live. So we do have a GoFundMe going, just FYI, on the Facebook page if you can contribute to help her like pay the down payment on a new apartment. We're just happy that Doug is back. Anyway, so she's been really kind and has helped me set up our podcast studio. And she really, you guys did set it up. It's now, we actually have shelves and everything you guys have sent us is now displayed. Displayed. And we have a whiteboard up and all of our merch is nice and stacked. Like we have inventory. Yeah, the video of like the reveal is going to be on Patreon for $10 donors. Um, And anyway, so thank you, Marilyn, for all your help this past week. One for your homies. Ah, the sound we all know too well now. Sweet nectar. Happy anniversary. <laughs> so 
So for our anniversary. Let's cheers first to, let's to cheers. our one year. One year. Can you believe it? Beautiful. I decided that we deserved an upgrade for our one year. What does that mean? It means close your eyes. What? You said you didn't prepare anything. Close your eyes. So full of shit. Okay. Okay. Elevator music. I'm still sitting here. Eyes closed. All right. You ready, Christine? Ready. So one's for you and one's for me. What is it? Open your eyes. So, no way! Open yours. Oh my god! Open it. We've talked about this. Oh my god, I'm gonna lose my mind. They're like little director's chairs! Um. This is one that all the actors have. <gasps> Ready? And my name on it, and then M has one too. Here you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, out your old dingy one now. I'm actually peeking the hell out. Happy anniversary! We like years ago, or not years ago, like a year ago, but literally, actually, uh, 365 days ago, literally one year ago, we're talking about how we just wanted our own director's chair someday. Okay, goodbye, old rickety Ikea chair. And now our audio won't suck either. Look at my new throne! Oh my god! <gasps> Whoa! Do you feel like a queen? Whoa! I feel so important, like I'm directing something. Em, this is amazing! I know the audio is really bad right now. I don't care. I cannot believe this. We need to take a photo later of them together. Okay. Am I sweating so much? <laughs> but if we ever go on tour now, we've got something. You guys, we gotta go on. Con. We gotta go on tour now. Yes. Um. Yes. And honestly, what? Honestly, I'm just trying to manifest the fact that we're gonna go live one day. I mean, I put up our vision board. We need to like redo it. Okay. Well, I'm having us sit on our vision board to make sure that it works. Okay. Through the magic of our Wait, butts. We're gonna sit on the vision board. I'm... We're gonna sit on the vision chairs. Understood. Oh, understood. I thought you meant you wanted me to. You take... mean under sit? Under sit. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> I thought you meant you wanted me to take that off the wall so we could sit on it. I was like, that seems a little weird. This um, these are fucking amazing. I am. <gasps> Oh my god, and they have our names on them in a cool font, you guys. I'm sc- It's the fonts of our logo. I know, it's so perfect. It's the part that says an, a true crime. How did. Uh, How? Yeah. You can take one fucking guess. Kirkies at Workies. No way. Kirkies. Kirk, you and Kirk are just like the dream team, my heroes. He's a good boy. He's so wonderful. I'm. Am I losing my mind right now? I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And now a year later, we're official. Official, and we have a fucking studio with all our shit on the walls. Sugar Bush is framed. 
the, there's a bulletin board of all the cards you guys have sent us and uh, a shelf where I'm collecting bottles of 19 crimes wine. So it's not going <laughs> to like, it's going to be full really soon. Uh, we got a Ouija board prominently displayed on my desk. You know, I feel like forever ago when we used to do milkshake facts, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those were the days, those were the days back when we didn't think we would last a year. <laughs> But one of the facts about wine was that there's a place that literally has a fountain in yes. the middle of the courtyard. You just need one of those in here, and then we'll be set. Okay, so... You've got a chair with your name on it, right. and soon you'll have a fountain of wine that just never stops flowing. Good. So that's for year... That's... That's next year. That's year two, right? Right. You know how there's, like, like an anniversary... There's, like, a paper year and yeah. a silver year. Yeah. Next year is the wine fountain year. Wine fountain, right. I thought it was coming up soon. I thought that might be the case. I can't wait for Blaze's my wine fountain year, because then I'll have two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you crack let's crack into let's that crack into it LaCroix. anyway so i'm so i you do this to me on air and then i can't really think or breathe so well christine told me uh hey i have everything taken care of tomorrow for our anniversary and in my mind i was like oh i know you because you always so do I, everything i just i just brought it back I, oh yeah! Now wh why put our drinks on the table when we've got little tables on our chairs? Who needs a table? Who the hell needs a table? Guys, if we ever go live, you will see these chairs on a stage. Omg! What's it like knowing that one day we'll be sitting on a stage in these chairs? I'm saying it out loud, not because that's actually planned, guys, but I'm trying to manifest it and put it in the world. We are trying. We're doing a manifest thing, and also now I can't wait to go live. We're very excited to see you and meet you. Speaking of which, we really are going to be at CrimeCon in Nashville, May 4th through 6th. And I know I keep plugging it, but like we really want you guys to be there. Please we, help. We want people to come and meet us and hang out with us. Um, and if you use our promo code ATWWD when you buy your badge, you are going to get a, a, a discount and B, a special surprise from us. Yay! A it's a chair with your name on it. <laughs> it's not. It's not. We it's not. We can't pack all of those in our overhead luggage. But we do have a special surprise for anyone who uses the promo code. Um, and we have a couple of people who have used it so far. And we're so pumped to meet you guys. You have no idea. Come to Nashville. Please. And also, we can just, like, do my, like, bachelorette party at the same time. Oh, no big deal. We'll just, like, if you guys come, we can guarantee a version of a bachelorette party for Christine. Perfect. And if you come, you get to pick where we go. Does that help get you going there? Only if you use the code. Only if you use the code. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be... That's actually the password to the bachelorette party. <laughs> we want to be invited back, so please use our code. <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah. I'm so proud of us. I'm, I'm so proud of us. So happy. How many, I can't believe so many people listen to us talk. I know. Wow. So many. I'm so proud of everyone and us and them and. <sighs> Is that why you drink? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Why do you drink? Because I sprained my spine. Oh, right. Em and I have really weak spines, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking about your spinal tap and I was like, oh, thank God, like. I don't have to go through any of that bullshit that Christine had to go through with her back. Back injuries are the worst. Then like 20 minutes later, I fucking half broke my back. You reverse manifested that. And you know how I did it? Guys, guess how Em did it. You're, no one here is surprised. I was bending down to feed Geo a treat. And then I popped back up and so did my back. You, pop, <laughs> so. you popped up. Your back was like, bye, I'm popping out. And then <laughs> I really thought that I just like vertebrae just fell out of my body. I was convinced that they just decided they were gone. Emily was like, okay, 
hi, I'm here at your Super Bowl party. And then fed you a treat and was like, so I'm going to go to the chiropractor. I'll see you in an hour. And I was like, what? Yeah, I really was here for five minutes. Oh my gosh, I was terrified. And then I came back and I tried so hard to like not be in pain. But also I really thought I was, it was, it was a nightmare. I remember you being like, at one point you tried to give me dinner. We were trying to feed you a hot dog. And you were like, you were like, should I? Should I just leave you alone? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I know. Just go I away. Like, Can I help? Do you want a Tylenol? Can I feed you this hot dog? Do you want me to leave you alone? You're like, yes. And I was like, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Enjoy this. I couldn't even. I, it was one of those pains where you don't even care about manners. No. It was just like, I need you to fucking go away. Yeah. And I was in your house. So like how fucking rude of me. No, but it wasn't rude. You were like really struggling. I literally fell asleep on your couch in the middle of everybody. There's, <laughs> she has a couch that's meant for like five people and my six foot body lied on half of it and everyone else had to sit on the floor. It's like a sectional where you took <laughs> the main section. <laughs> and I just lied there and I found pictures of myself on Twitter later. And yeah, that was good. It was a good time. It was a good well, time. Well, not really, but for, for everyone, everyone else. else. Anyway, I won't go on about it, but that's you, why I you drank. have your sweater wrapped on your shoulders like you're a card, like it's a cardigan at a country club. I'm doing it because if I wanted to take it off all the way, I'd have to take my headphones off and I'm too lazy. It's really bizarre. I mean, it's not bizarre, but it really looks like you're owning this whole director thing. Oh, yeah. That makes you, me want to take it off. No, you look like <laughs> you have like it wrapped around your shoulders. It's like I just want to snap at someone to get me an Evian. An Evian. Exactly. You do have your well, LaCroix. Yeah, you yeah. do have one. So I just want to say that this episode is sponsored by our special, special friend. CK. CK. Classic Kevin. Uh, host of Mirths and Monsters podcast, which I've, I've fell behind and I've been binging this week. Um, it's so good. So hilarious. He has a Scottish accent, so you can't go wrong. Um, and CK actually sent up because in early episodes, we said when if we hit a year or hit 50 episodes or whatever that we would. Oh, it was a 50th episode. We would drink a $50 milkshake and $50 bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And so CK sent us PayPal us $100 for this episode. Oh, he's such a good guy. So we bought I did not get. A $50 bottle of wine. I bought a nice bottle of wine and an ice cream cake and Marilyn made Emma milkshake. And then we're going to, uh, so CK's podcast, Mirths and Monsters just started a Patreon. So I'm going to pledge the rest of the money Aww, to that. That's worth it. Yeah. So that was so sweet of him and like thoughtful. And a lot of people have asked like, did you ever do the $50 thing? And I'm like, well, also I recently looked up the $50 milkshake again and I don't know how to come across like edible gold leaves or Tahitian vanilla bean and shit like that. So I don't know how to recreate the $50 milkshake. What I was planning on doing if I were in charge, I was just going to spend $50 on a bunch of weird shit and make one of those like big stacked milkshakes. Oh, just like cookies and brownies. Yeah, and, like yeah. an ice cream sandwich on top and yeah. a donut and shit like I that. I mean, buying a $50 bottle of wine <laughs> probably would have been easy, but I bought instead like four, <laughs> four like $12 bottles of wine. Guys, seriously, shout out to CK though, because he's been one of our original listeners. He's supported us from the beginning since a year ago a whole year now he's supported us he's been so helpful he like reached out to us on twitter he's been so kind and just compliments us left and right he's told us if we ever like need to a place to stay overseas he's got our Mm -hmm. back he's just a good good guy he's a good guy great guy his podcast is so freaking funny and entertaining and it's short like they're like fun short little episodes so you can just easily like binge the whole thing it's so fun so thank you ck thank you m for the chairs, for, I know. For the chairs, but also for making this year just so wonderful Aww. and changing my life. Aw. I was actually saying the same thing about you earlier today at work. I was just kind of like reminiscing. 
I was looking back a year ago. I was not in literally in any place in my life. Was I where I am right now? Isn't it bizarre? I didn't live. I didn't live in the same place. I wasn't friends with the same people. I wasn't at the same job. Like I was at this in a different department, but like everything, everything around me has changed. And you also gave me a girlfriend and a dog. Wow. I mean, same. I moved into a house. Like I got engaged. I'm like, we started this project. You work at Nickelodeon. I got my dream job. I mean, this has been a quite a year. Talk about vision boards. Mm -hmm. Guys, vision boards work. I know people laugh, but I'm not kidding you. It's true. Take some painkillers. No, don't do that. But that's what I did. But it's for health reasons. <laughs> they were prescription. It's fine. Make a fucking vision board. It works. I think one of the first vision board manifestations I ever made, I'm pretty sure one of the first episodes, I said like Bruno Mars's 24K album was the best album of the year and it was only February. You did say that. And he literally just won best album of the year for that album. Wait, did he really? A year, literally like a couple weeks ago. You truly you went I called that shit if you can, if you can go back and no play, you can quote that you play, said that play the, the clip right here oh god em you make me do so much work first the elevator music okay here it is i'm gonna do my best to tell you all about this because here's the thing i was also listening to the new bruno mars album while i wrote all the notes so who knows how scrambled this is emily all right maybe i'll be even more messed up than it's supposed to be it'll help i promise Let's go. Bruno Mars pairs well with a nice paranormal story. Bruno Mars' new album is the best album of the year, and it's only February, and I cannot be convinced otherwise. My soul hurts hearing you say that, but we'll discuss this at a later date. Okay. I told you. I I told you. Let's hope I found it. I I just sat here and drank wine and hoped that my future self will have the energy to find it. I told you. If not, I'll just put elevator music in there. Just like a loud beep. Also, maybe that audio was actually like real shit. Maybe you're going to play it and it's going to obviously be like episode two. It's probably on some like hard drive somewhere too. I don't know if I, it's definitely not on my laptop. Anyway, guys, manifest your dreams. And then maybe a year later, you'll have a podcast. I mean, peak of success podcast. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. We did it, Em. We did. We made a year. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked. We really didn't think we'd make it a year. We have chairs with our names on them. That is something I never thought I'd have. We have a fucking bulletin board of like letters and Christmas cards and mail from people. Yeah, and it's fu- it's a filled bulletin board, like a cork board. Yeah, there's very little space left. We're gonna have to get another one for all the great stuff we're getting Happily. from you guys. I literally am today during my lunch break went to Staples and bought that. It looks great. You did a good job. You have good <laughs> taste. I also framed the. Uh, the sugar bush photos so june bride and finding osama finding osama have been framed on the wall thank you deirdre it's it's oh my gosh the thing you guys made the binder of all the nice things you guys said about me that, the geo book the, yeah where's the geo book in my car i'm gonna bring it oh, oh yeah that too deirdre's cross stitch the cross stitch uh the geo saint geo candle that christine gave me for my birthday <laughs> is here wow that seems so long ago yeah and also uh Cla- the- clarissa great made like this beautiful oil painting of geo it's amazing it's sitting behind me right now obviously at the head i'm taking a photo of you right now because it's so funny uh it's like a photo a painting of geo with wine and then above it is uh, Sierra. <laughs> Sierra made us an embroidery of our logo, so I hung that above. I mean, oh, and then our can- um, canvas, canvas people. people of me and Geo, because I just wanted to put that somewhere. 
You guys, thank you for everything. The only reason this has worked is because of you, and we're just so proud and lucky and happy. It's true. Really. And we have a fun thing happening today. Em, what's what's happening? So we listen to you guys on the Facebook Live, which, by the way, we need to do one this month. We could do it on the 18th? Sure. Okay. February 18th. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting it in my calendar. 3 p.m. February 18th, guys. Sunday, February 18th. If you're a part of the, if you're a patron, just go join the group on Facebook and we'll talk to you then. So from the last one, you suggested that we swap themes. So this week I have a true crime and Christine has a paranormal. I'm so excited. I'm very nervous because Christine's very, Christine's very good at being detail oriented and I'm not so I feel like there's probably a lot more information on my story that I could have gotten slash that Christine would have gotten. But I was also nervous about the like the amount of time I had. I mean, it's the anniversary. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) All right. Okay. this story happened 120 years ago. So there's not like a lot of information. So I did dig as much as I could. I just don't know your typical sources. So for all I know, you actually would have found a lot more. Mm, Probably not. I did my best. That's all I ask of you. You know, here, this is... So do you go first, even though it's... You go first, right? Oh, is that how... Sure. Should I? Yeah. Listen, I need to have some more wine before I do mine, because you said yours is uh, shorter than Black Eyed Kids. Mine's maybe maybe longer, maybe the same. Oh, as Black Eyed Kids? Yeah. Wow, you really fucking took this seriously. Oh, I went all out. Jeez. I wasn't kidding when I said this was like... Was this a particular one you've been waiting to do or something? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. But no, don't... I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. 
I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. I'll just blaze through mine then so you can get to yours. Blaze through it. <clears throat> I'm just going to lamp McNally through it. <laughs> so this is from 1888. And th- here's the thing. I'm a- Wait. Oh, my God. What? Do what is it? What is it? Why don't you say it? Say it. Is it Jack the Ripper? Yeah. Oh, shut up. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Wow. Someone's a fanatic. I said the no. year. and uh, But I don't know anything about Jack the Ripper. I just know he's one of those, like, earliest serial killers well here's the thing i'm all about i'm i'm a traditionalist i like the classics you're so traditional so conservative i know so standard so i i, I prefer the the phrase old-fashioned <laughs> i'm yep. you know yep yes yes okay a gentleman one a, might say a, an old-fashioned gentleman an old-fashioned gentleman a yes. scholar oh no no oh that's too far no too far <laughs> that's, unless we're talking about black-eyed kids <laughs> You're a scholar of black eyed kids. Um, okay, so I was always under the impression that Jack the Ripper like murdered a million people just because his name is so notorious. Me I assume that he killed just a it was just a blur of killing for a yeah, portion I of his it was life. like a Ted Bundy type. Yeah, where like you who knows what the number is. I guess technically who knows what the number is because Jack the Ripper's never been caught. <gasps> so for all we know, you know. He could have killed more people than this. For all we know, he's outside But when I heard the window. number, I was like, what? How many? That, How many? Five. That's it? Yeah. I mean, not that's it as in like. <laughs> those those less important, only five. Oh, if he had done 10, then I'd be impressed. I know. <laughs> um, all right. I was going to say, let's crack into it and do the sound, but I already did it. Do you want me to edit? Yeah, actually, would you just edit that right on in there? Just that clip, that um, noise. Audio tech. Don't you dare snap at me. <laughs> but I'm sitting in a chair with my name on it now. I can... Me too. Now we're both equally powerful. What do mm. we do? I don't know. All right, go ahead. So um, this started in August 1888, and it happened in London's East End. And of course, we're Americans and don't know what that means. So it is in the district of Whitechapel. So um, one of Jack the Ripper's names was also the Whitechapel Butcher. Oh, he was also known as Leather Apron. <laughs> I don't know why. Something I probably could have Googled, but I also was frantically trying to get my notes done. Leather Apron. I think it's probably just for the best that I don't know. It plays to the imagination. It kind of creeps me out, so I don't want to know. Makes me think of like Ed Gein. Yes, you know? it does. Like the nipple belt. Mm-hmm. I mean, the. Um... Can you imagine like what a duo, like a superhero duo, like Leather Apron and Nipple Belt? <laughs> Sounds like the SpongeBob, like, um, what are they called? Barnacle Mer- Boy and, and Merman. Merman. 
Mermaid, mermaid Man. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Which I just realized Mermaid Man is funny. <laughs> it never occurred to me. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, but instead it's leather apron and... Nipple belt. Yeah, but he also had that creepy... He had a literal apron made of women's breasts. Remember? Yeah. It's... Don't Google it. It's awful. Oh, I know. So it's it's leather apron and like actual woman's boobs and like apron. breast apron. Okay. I like nipple belt better. Uh, nipple belt is somehow funnier even though it's more painful it's because it seems i don't think it's more painful if you chopped off a whole boob that's probably i think because it just seems less realistic like it seems more ridiculous so you tell yourself it's less it's possible more absurd to really it, yes, yes it's more absurd okay so leather apron nipple belt yeah it's like you and me it's like which one are you i'm nipple belt you duh obviously <laughs> i know a nipple belt when i see it and it says christine schieffer (laughs) barnacle boy through and through (laughs) oh yeah i'm mermaid man because i'm like low-key like dealing with alzheimer's already (laughs) forget everything your back's always broken and you're just like (laughs) i'm just like where are you you're like i'm a man who's a mermaid i don't know what's going on it's fine people just kind of tell me where to go and i'm like okay i'm a superhero (laughs) so um guys watch spongebob anyways jack the ripper Let's go back. Let's travel back to 1888 real Let, quick. Let's. Um, okay, so he was known as Leather Apron. He was also known as um, White Chapel Butcher. But most people know him as Jack the Ripper because that was the signature on a letter that got sent to the police. <gasps> Ew, creepy. So, um, but he identified himself as the White Chapel Butcher in the letter, but signed it Jack the Ripper. So even he's having like an identity complex. So he he's like, like I am Nipple Belt, signed Barnacle Boy. Uh, see, that's not fair. You got to pick one or the other. He, he just wants it all. Several letters were sent um, to the London Metropolitan Police Service, also known as the Scotland Yard. CK, you must know about oh that. Oh my God, that's the board game I used to play that you were like, what the fuck? And then a bunch of people were like, I mean, two people, but two people said i played that too and then what is the game you promoted yourself to that australian alcohol game oh it's like slap the bag but it's their version of that it's where you take the is it the bag out of the wine box yeah something like that goonies goon goon whatever they both sound <laughs> ridiculous they both sound too weird goonie goonie game uh so they taunted office the letters taunted officers about like their activities and basically hinted that more were to come. Uh oh. Um, and suspected theories are that like it could have been anyone. They have a list of like over a hundred suspects. Holy shit. Which is why I always thought there was more than five I guess you in eighteen eighty eight you just like had nothing to do. <laughs> what do you mean? Like I imagine like these days, if there's like something that happened and there's more than a hundred suspects, it's because some really wild shit happened to hundreds of people, I and guess. now they're looking at everyone. But if someone kills five people, like I mean, it's still bad. But you're more likely to have, I feel like more suspects because it's like if you if like a hundred people died, I feel like it's much narrower suspect pool. I don't know. I Ma- guess that makes. I mean, sense. maybe not. I feel like it's hard to say. I just assume that if there's a... I never hear of any cases where there's over 100 suspects, so I just assume that means that there's a lot going on compared to, like, a typical why. case. I just wonder why Jack, Why was Jack the Ripper, like, such a... I don't know. I, it's just... I mean, I maybe the time, maybe? I don't But, like, with H.H. H. Holmes, he was, like, murdering people left and right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he was murdering people left and right, and there were not... 100 plus suspects for yeah. H.H. Holmes. So my thought is if there are 100 plus suspects for this guy, he must be killing more people than H.H. H. Holmes. That's bizarre. 
but he only killed five people and got all this like novelty praise by like really weird fans and, and he's way like more known than hh H. holmes yeah he's like the he's known as like the maybe, first serial is killer he the fir- maybe that's why because he's the first um the other one was billy the kid was like one of the oh, first killers okay they were also also both left-handed fun fact. <gasps> well they um they're known to be left-handed but actually recently they found out that jack the ripper is right-handed how do they find that out because they were looking back, people there are still people called Ripperologists who are still trying <laughs> to crack the code, even though whoever did it is dead now. Oh my! But apparently, they always thought the Jack the Ripper was left-handed because of how he cut um, women. But they found out that he was actually strangling them first with his <gasps> dominant right hand, and then cutting them left-handed. So they actually don't know if he's right-handed it's like or ambidextrous left-handed. or something. Yeah. Ew. Anyway, fun fact. For Aren't everyone. you left-handed? I am. That's pretty fucked up, Em. <laughs> so in the late 1800s in london's east end mm-hmm. it was mainly an area of skilled immigrants that were trying to like make a new life for themselves mainly jews and russians lived in that area mm-hmm. and it was notorious for like a violent heavy oh. crime area and prostitution at the time was legal it was only illegal if the practice caused a public disturbance <laughs> that was the oh. one thing that like vetted whether or not it was like inappropriate so just like be discreet and you're fine yeah it's like actually just like go upstairs and then it's fine wow okay but you could be as open as you wanted about it you just couldn't like do it in the middle of the road cause a disturbance right okay so there were thousands of brothels and there was also a lot of low rent lodging that just provided sexual service as like a benefit to living there okay so here we've got our saltwater pool uh our gym and and to our our left is the brothel there's the sex workers all in there yep oh my god that's horrifying what a time. Can you imagine if you time traveled back there and they were like, oh, are you part of the brothel? Yeah, they'd be like, welcome to your spot in the brothel. Yeah, like, what be the like, fuck? What? <laughs> so at the time, um, it was also like you could basically like kill a sex worker and like no one thought of like. Right. They were lesser. Because it was such a violent area. It was such a heavy crime area. It was such a heavy drug area and prostitution was legal. Yeah. So it was very easy for sex workers to be traded for oh. like drugs and money and shit like that Awful. so a lot of times they were collateral damage and would get killed and so a lot of times sex workers if they got killed no one paid attention yeah so that's and one of jack the ripper's mo's is he killed sex workers oh, okay and so people i guess started noticing that more sex workers than usual were getting killed right and then they started caring all of a sudden they're like hmm an unusual increase in the uh, in the murder rate these they're days, they're like it's harder to find a sex worker that I want to have sex with. Yeah, so. there's five less in the whole town now. We have to care. I'm my okay. So, like I said, the reality is that they were pretty much used to getting physically attacked or like being somehow involved in that kind of lifestyle, right? Um, but the difference between those attacks and Jack the Ripper's killings is that they were um, considered they weren't considered. A typical attack on a person, they were considered, quote, sadistic butchery. Um, Oh, no. Now, that sounds more like the Jack the Ripper I envisioned. Yeah. Uh, On your vision board. (laughs) Oh, I don't want Jack the Ripper on my vision board. He apparently, um, his killings uh, gave the impression to people that he had a true hatred for women in general. Oh, wow. Um, I mean... And his type was, I'm just going to go through like his, like MO. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so he killed five main women. There's actually more like six or seven, but 
we don't know if we count them or not because they can't tell if they were his doing because oh. one of them was so early on that they don't know if that was actually the first real victim. Right. And one happened later and they don't know if that was the last real victim. Right. Um, but out of the five main victims, uh, they were all about the same age, thirties to forties. Um, he only killed on the weekends or bank holidays. What? Which is very weird. So I wonder if that he means had like, a day job. So he worked a nine to five classic, 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 hardworking man, classic Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, most of them had pelvic mutilation. <gasps> oh, no. I'm sorry to say. Oh, no, no, no. Most occurred between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Dude. So people these days, a.k.a. us, would be like, that's fucking early. Or... That guy never goes to bed, and that must be, like, the latest his night goes. But back then in the 1880s, that was literally considered our, like, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock now. Really? So that was, like, wake-up time? Yeah, it was, like, rush hour traffic. Although, I don't know how many cars were on the streets, so maybe it was, like, rush hour carriage traffic. <laughs> or, like, you just bumped into a lot of people. The rush streets hour, were busy. There were mules and ponies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when our grandpas were like, we walked five miles uphill both ways in the snow barefoot. No it's like, shoes. Wow, you must have come from the 1880s with Jack the Ripper then. You must not have known what a car was. So, okay, okay. So 3 a.m. was considered a normal wake-up time is what we're saying. Yeah, but that it, was like on the early end of normal early. But so it, was it was like 5 a.m. on a weekend or bank holiday. So it was like when people weren't in rush hour carriage traffic. That's a good point. Traffic. It was That's like, a good point. It was like... When your dad wakes you up with bacon at like 5 a.m. and is like, good morning. Must and you're be like, nice. My dad would just wake me up at 5 to piss me off oh, mine, with no bacon. No, mine did not do that either. I'm just saying I feel like it's a very like stepdad. You know how I say like the stepdad thing? Yeah. It's like, like wake up at 5, mow the lawn. Like I feel like all of us had that one friend growing up where like they were such a buzzkill to spend the night at yes, their house yes. because they would wake, wake up, up early on a Saturday, like Bullshit. 6 a.m. And then they'd be like, why aren't you waking up? And I'd be like, you have to be fucking kidding me. And I was like five and knew that that What's was the, the right point? response. Anyway. But yeah, there are those dads who wake up and like mow the lawn. My friend like that. Her name was fucking Rachel. Yeah, it was. And I hated sleeping at Rachel's. I loved sleeping at Rachel's. I hated waking up at Rachel's. See, that's the key. Mm -hmm. There's two sides. I didn't like it. And they all went to bed at like seven. I was like, what is wrong with you? Anyway. Hi, Rachel. Celine's dad would wake us Rachel's up. Rachel's a mom now. She's not listening oh to this. Oh my God. She's waking her kids up at five in the morning. Oh, I already hate that kid. Celine's dad would wake us up going, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. And we were like, no. And then he would just come in and be like, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. And then what he would do is he would leave the kettle on to like make that hissing noise but he just wouldn't turn it off until we got so annoyed that we had to go downstairs and turn it off and then he's like you're up like he would literally just let it go and go and go and go i hate parents they suck my mom used to do that thing where she'd be like am 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 and then i'd be like what and she'd be like are you awake and i'd be like i fucking like, hate you oh good you're up <laughs> or i'd be sleeping on the on the couch downstairs taking a nap and then she would like absolutely intentionally be way too loud so i'd wake up and she'd be like oh good you're up and then leave not even to like tell me a story or to ask me to do something she just wanted to wake me up and then just leave <laughs> it's like that thing where parents come in and then leave the door open and yeah. it's like why you're the like, fuck did you do, you do this for me it's... i just see linda like stomping around like oh good you're awake <laughs> she used to do that or she would do the dishes like louder really than loud. she needed Clanging. to do yeah Ugh. hi mom listen 
it's hard being a millennial. Our parents really troubled us as children. Yeah. Obviously, like, our generation had the hardest time growing up. Like, I don't think anyone really understands. Like, between, like, not getting hit and, like, child labor laws being there, like, all we had to do was sit on a couch and, like, stay alive. I mean, and also there was Go-Gurt. Like, life was tough. We had Lunchables. It was ruthless out there. It was the wild, wild west. That's why we don't know how to do anything now, except start podcasts. I mean, I don't know. We look like... We have, like, pictures of squirrels dressed in wedding dresses on the wall, so I feel like we've made it pretty far in life. I think so. I have a fucking oil portrait of my dog hanging on my wall. Life is weird. Let's let's go back to the 1880s. No, in the 1880s, we'd both have 10 kids by now. Oh, I'd be dead for sure. (laughs) I don't. Drank yourself to death? I don't live through 10 kids. Honestly. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like I have one kid, and I'm like, oh, I can't handle this, and then I die. (laughs) Like, there's no epidurals. There's no, like... Ugh. I just would die. Imagine like, being, props to everyone who survived. Imagine being LGBT in the 1880s. No, exactly. What the fuck, I am? would literally die, not by choice. No, exactly. Anyway, let's describe Jack the Ripper's appearance. Oh, right. Jack the Ripper. Like, we weren't... We had a reason to be here, I think. Ew, how do we know his appearance? Because several witnesses, after the fact, would say, Oh, I saw that girl, and then 10 minutes later, she was dead. But <gasps> when I saw her, she was walking with no. this guy. Oh, Okay. So, the general consensus of his appearance Can is... Can I tell you what I, th- what I envision, have always envisioned him? I, this, is, this is why we have a podcast. This is the only thing I've ever wanted to hear you say. What? Jack oh, Ripper's appearance. Because in my I've head... I've been waiting a year. I've established this weird thing in my head, because I don't know anything about Jack the Ripper, except, like, the name and, like, the fact that he's Jack the Ripper. Right. Um, in my head, he, <laughs> he has a big cloak... <laughs> He does in my head, too, with, yeah. like, a bowler hat. He's, like, a creepy-ass cloak, and, like, it's just kind of hunched over and icky. Oh, no. Like, grew from Despicable Me? No, no, no. Like, thinner. He, okay. like, has a cloak over his head, and he has, like, a knife in his hand. A big-ass butcher knife in his hand. That's what I picture. Oh. Okay. And I think it's because when I was little and I heard Jack the Ripper, it just sounded like... Like an like the guy from SpongeBob with the spatula hand. Yes, yes, that's probably where I got that. Oh God, everything anyway. relates to SpongeBob. Your whole life is a foreshadowing of today. Oh God. So he's described as having a shabby appearance, being about thirty years old, five foot nine, fair complexion, small fair mustache, and Ew. wearing a red handkerchief or neckerchief, um, and a cap with a peak. I don't know what that means. Like a like a point? I guess so. Like a pointy cap? I don't know. This this was how people that used to play with hoops and sticks described him. So <laughs> things have changed. Um, okay, so here's the first killing. It happened on August 31st, and it was the body of Mary Ann Nichols, who was 42. <gasps> she was found in Bucks Row, um, which is now called Derwald Street. And her face was bruised. Her throat was slashed twice. <gasps> And nearly severed. Oh, no. So, like, such oh deep God. cuts, her head was almost off. Oh, my God. Her stomach was hacked open <gasps> and slashed several times. What the fuck? Do you know what happened? Like, for, like was she alive when that happened? Do we know or not really? We. So, that's the thing. Like, I tried to research that kind of stuff, but because no one really saw her, the last thing that witnesses saw for a lot of these girls is that they were just walking with someone, but then he seemed to take them to discreet areas and... Well, and also, like, the forensics back then weren't like, oh, right. we can tell. It's like the John Mulaney thing of, mm, 
mm, a puddle of gr- blood. Gross. <laughs> Mop it up. Now back to my hunch. <laughs> Literally, on my favorite murder today, they were talking about how back then they'd be like, okay, so who else can we bring in to look at this? Like, uh, reporters, like, why don't we get everyone on South Street to come in? And John Mulaney does such a great bit about that exact oh thing about how like God. gangsters back then like they wouldn't even like put on masks like if they went to go rob a, right. a bank they would like dress up like they were like going to church in Just atlanta like, put on a little corsage <laughs> and then they like, they like shoot their name into the wall <laughs> he was like what You're were like, bullets free? here <laughs> yeah if anyone asks it was val and joe and the suggins gang like <laughs> karen was like are there any children that want to come in and stomp around and look like what else can we do to uh <laughs> It's like, can we get some, uh, just anyone with eyes, actually? Can they just tell us what they think? They should. And then George was like, uh, anyone with shoes, like, maybe put some more footprints on the walls and on the floor. Like, we just, <laughs> we can't get enough of, like, people just walking through and spreading shit around. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of true. They didn't give a shit. They would just be like, what's this? And then, like, smear it all over. And reporters would just be like, let me take a million photos and st- step everywhere. So gross. Listen. Forensics, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're the oh the oh, rightest thank you so uh the second murder was september 8th a woman named annie chapman who was 47 instead of 42 she was also a sex worker just like the first one was and her body was found in a passageway um behind 29 hanbury street and all of her possessions from her purse were laid next to her body <gasps> oh no her head was almost severed <gasps> Oh, my God. Her stomach was torn open and pulled apart. Oh, what the fuck? Hence the name Jack the Ripper. Oh, that's where it comes from. Sections of skin from the stomach laid on her body. Get the fuck out of here. Um, sections of skin from her stomach? Were laid on her body. Oh. Bigger sections of her stomach were laid over her left shoulder onto the right shoulder. So, like, her oh, entrails. No. He looped them around like a scarf no. to like hang over one shoulder, go around her neck and fall on the other shoulder. Oh, no. But in like those were her intestines. Let's remember. No. Part of the vagina and bladder had been carved out. No. And taken away. Taken away? What the fuck? And that was the second one. Oh, my God. You know, when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special 
offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The third one was 20 days later. On September 28th. Um, and this was right, this was actually right before the next killing. A letter was received at the Central News Agency signed Jack the Ripper. So this is when his name first took off. Oh, so it was to the news, not to the police. Yes, this was to the Central News Agency. Oh, okay. The name um, Jack the Ripper was signed at the bottom and caught the public's attention. Um, and Whitechapel, the town, was now freaking out because of these two murders that right. Jack the Ripper claims to have been responsible for. Right. So there were riots in the street, and people started attacking anyone carrying a black bag because the like the newest rumor going around was that Jack the Ripper was carrying his knives in a black bag. Oh my god, so just like chaos. People were just like... Also, let's talk about like a unified fucking town, though, because anyone with a black bag was going down. <laughs> <laughs> like going down we got some boston strong shit like yeah, it's very boston that's so sad for that poor guy who's like first day on the job and he's yeah. like carrying his briefcase oh no poor guy um so two days later september 30th at 1 a.m is the beginning of what they call a double event uh, oh no because two murders happened within 45 minutes of each other <gasps> 45 minutes yeah so oh, the geez. first woman her name was elizabeth stride who was a sex worker she was found at 1 a.m on 40 Burner Street. I'm saying this in case people want, like, want to go on a walking tour of this while I talk. I mean, I, I do, but... So when they found her... While you talk, so they're just going to like... <laughs> just, it's like Alcatraz. Like, they just like, pause and then they like Google Maps. That's what them. I'm saying. Some people might. <laughs> Let me know if you do. Guys, if you own a company that does like walking tour audio, we can will Can you imagine if it. we... Can you guys hire us as narrators? We'll fucking do Wait, it. Let's do it for a museum where we're like... 1A. If anyone needs a narrator for a walking museum tour, I will literally do it. I used to be a museum tour guide. That was actually one of my first jobs um, ever. I, I mean, clearly we're qualified because I'm just going to ride M's coattails and also be qualified. There's nothing I love more than a good coattail being ridden. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I Usually I, I prefer the riding of the coattails <laughs> yeah. instead of someone riding mine. You don't really want to be the... I want to be like the one who takes all the credit and does none of the work. 
hashtag this podcast. Am I right? So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> nothing more than a, nothing better than a kid riding up a coattail. Guys, send me coattails. I'll fucking I'll collect them. You should wear coattails. What to if my I wedding? made a coat made of coattails? That would be very weird. It sounds like the nipple belt all over again. <laughs> so, it sounds like a socially acceptable nipple belt. Yeah. Like, look, I'm kind of throwing a little bit of... A little caution to the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, to be continued. What's happening? So, Elizabeth Stride. She was found at 1 a.m. Um, at 40 Burner Street. When they found her, blood was still pouring from her throat. <gasps> oh! Which means they just missed Th- her. That must be... Oh, my God. So, she just died. So a lot of people think that... Was she dead, though, when they found her? Oh, she was in D-E-A-D. Yikes. Um, but when... Because the blood was still pouring from her throat, they either think that he uh, got disturbed by his own killing, that, like, it freaked him out and he had to leave. But a lot of other people think, like, he heard us coming. That makes so more sense So he got spooked and left. Me. So that's the main thing. 45 minutes later... Catherine Eddowes, 43, was found just a few minutes of a walk away from Elizabeth Stride. Um, And she was in an alley between, I don't know how to say this, Mitre Square. Spell it. M-I-T-R-E. I'm sure it's French or something. And Duke Street, which is now called um, St. James Passage, is where she was found. Oh, my God. You ready? 45 minutes later. Are you ready? Yeah. No. Yes. The body had been ripped open. <gasps> this is not new. No, but I just, I know it's going to get worse. And her throat was slashed. Both eyelids had been cut off. Oh, my. And both her nose and right ear had been cut off. What the fuck? The uterus and left <gasps> kidney were removed and her entrails were thrown over her right shoulder, just like the other girl. Oh, my God. A trail of blood led the police to a doorway nearby with a message that had been written in chalk and it read the Jews are not the men to be blamed for nothing. What? And the beginning of world war two. No. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then so, Hitler was like, wait a second. And Hitler was like, I agree. Oh my so, God. Oh my God. Um, to, to your point of how people handled evidence back then, the city police thought that the, quote, graffiti should be photographed um, when the light came up. And so they were going to come back later and take a picture of it. But before they could, the head of the Metropolitan Police ordered to rub it out what? so that no Jews walking by would be offended. Oh, uh, Mop it up. They don't have a fucking lantern to take a photo. in. I mean, Jesus. I mean, obviously their cameras were not high def because they were cheap. Yeah, but, <laughs> but all you have to do is get some lanterns up there. I know. I mean, listen. Listen. It's All it takes is a lantern or two. That's my new... Oh. Motto. That could... We could find a way to make that pretty metaphorical. All it takes is a lantern or two. Mm-hmm. A light within yourself. A lantern or two within yourself. That's what I'm saying. Glow from within. So during the investigation of this specific one, they also found a blood-stained apron <gasps> of Catherine's. Was it leather? That's what I thought, but no. Oh. Um, they found her blood-stained apron in a doorway. Oh, fuck. On a nearby street. 
So it looks to the police who are so great with their evidence mm. that he used the apron to wipe off his hands while he was mid running away from the murder. What a sicko. But because he was running while wiping his hands, they think, oh, he was able to think while also in a frantic state. So he must know his surroundings. Right. Okay. So they thought that he must be a local man. Okay. Whatever. Sure. They're using what they can, I guess. It's fine. As far as, um, uh, so because it was a double event within 45 minutes of each other, the police were like, oh, well, you know, we're going to put more police out there on the streets and we're going to scare them away. Mm -hmm. Like, let them know that we're taking this seriously. And no one got murdered for like another month or so. Like it actually did die down for a little bit and people were getting less scared. But there's another thought that, um, that's not the true theory that he stopped killing because he was afraid of the like the increase in police. It was, um, some believe that he actually didn't commit the double event and that the first murder that night, Elizabeth stride wasn't actually him. So he wouldn't have been spooked for police trying to like take his double event seriously if he didn't do the double event. Whoa. whoa, So they think that he might have not been the murderer of Elizabeth stride, because was, was that the super violent one where the uterus was taken out? That was Catherine Eddowes. Oh. Elizabeth Stride was the one who blood was still pouring out of her throat. Oh, oh, right, right. That was the first one. Yeah, the yeah. one at 1 a.m. Okay. So the main... Di- Sorry, Allison texted me. And <clears throat> I got a text that said, try not to scare me. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're like, the blood <laughs> pouring out of her throat. Um, so there are um, a few reasons why they think that Elizabeth Stride was not one of his victims. One is that um, she was murdered from the front when usually he would attack people from behind. Also, the location was very different because he usually chose secluded places, but because they were able to find her so close to her actual murderer, like, I mean, they found her when she was still bleeding out. So, like, it was a pretty local, popular street, and that's something that he didn't usually do. Um, They also thought that um, her wounds were caused by a different knife than he was using on the other ones. But a lot of people will debate that and be like, well, he could have more than one fucking knife. Right. But some believers are like, oh, well, Elizabeth Stride isn't one of the main five. Interesting. Um, So the police released a letter, one of the many letters that they had gotten, um, which was sent to the head of the London News Agency. So the police and the news were working together a lot. And if there were any particular um letters of interest then the news was publishing them which these days i don't think that would really happen probably not so uh because they got a couple interesting letters and had the news release them what they didn't realize is that a lot of people out there who would get really obsessed with the case would become copycats and send in letters pretending to be jack the ripper Uh. so it ended up hurting their case because they thought that if they sent out a letter people could be like on the lookout yeah. and use the information well. But then all these letters that they got from fake Jack the what Rippers. What's wrong with people? People in 1888 didn't have internet. They, I don't think they, I think they were just bored. I probably would be a person who'd be like, this is fun. I mean, if we couldn't have a true crime podcast, we would be doing something probably, true crime. Probably. These are all people who wanted a podcast. They were just, they, they weren't in the right time. Let's go back and bring the microphones. They weren't appreciated for for their time it's yeah. okay it's okay it's okay so most of these letters were definitely hoaxes but there was one that freaked out the police enough Uh-oh. um 
And it is now one of the most famous letters that, quote, Jack the Ripper wrote. And it's called From Hell. And it's also called the Lusk Letter because it was sent to George Lusk, who was the chairman of the um, like the police. Um, the letter, I didn't, I didn't write down what actually what it said. But, it was, I mean, it's, it was your typical serial killer letter of like, haha, you haven't caught me, I'll kill again. I am the lord of this city, blah, blah, Some blah, shit blah, like blah, blah. Or you think you got me and you don't. <laughs> Enclosed with the letter was a piece of human kidney. <gasps> Whoa. That in the letter he wrote he had taken from one of his victims. <gasps> which, conveniently, Catherine Eddowes was the last woman he killed and her kidney was ripped out. Oh my god. So, in... And I couldn't find this. I'm not sure of this. But in the event that they didn't release that information to the public, this was the most likely. This was most likely but also, the actual like, Jack the even Ripper. Even if they did, like, who's fucking fine? Who's, like, hoaxing the police with, like, a fake kidney? That's A lot of people think it was, like, a med student. Oh. That was, like, it could have just been, like, a cow kidney or something that they got from surgery. Oh, right. They didn't have DNA and all that shit. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, that might not be the real Jack the Ripper. It could just be, like, an obsessed yeah you know future podcaster I mean, <laughs> and he just has like a random med student it's access to kidneys i mean it sounds like if it were jack the ripper it sounds like he's pretty pissed that all these people are pretending to be him and he's like no here's her fucking organs like can you imagine if <laughs> that was him and then people were still like man that was just like a cow kidney. oh my god i was totally a med student it like, <laughs> wasn't even wasn't even scary so anyway a lot of people think that the kidney was a prank but that's because we don't have documents anymore about whether or not they released the kidney information oh, to the public. Okay. So if they did, chances are it was an imposter. Makes sense. And if it wasn't and that was private knowledge, then it really freaked people out. Yeah. Um, so rumors began like just going wild about like who the hell Jack the Ripper was. Some of the thoughts were he was a mad doctor. He was a Polish lunatic. <laughs> which is a quote, not something I'm saying. That seems racist. Um, possibly an insane midwife. Wait, um, as in a woman? Yes. They, some think that she might have been a woman. Wow, I never heard that. I know, equality, hey girl. Oh my um, god. So, other people think that he could have been the grandson of Queen Victoria. What? The doctor of Queen Victoria. What? A Dutch sailor. <laughs> Lewis Carroll, who wrote Alice in Wonderland. What? Or the Freemasons. Oh, just like the collective Freemasons. Just like actually the whole peanut gallery. Just like everyone who's a Freemason. Okay, They wow. also think a lot of people on the police force could have been involved because there were a lot of police officers who did not have to divulge all the information that they knew. So what, they were like hiring sex workers and that's why? Or like, I don't understand why they were involved. I don't know. I... What the fuck? Wait, okay, Lewis Carroll? Yeah, well, no. apparently... How dare you? Someone out there in the world made some assumption that if you rearrange enough of hit the paragraphs in one of his books, each of the first words writes out like confessing to killing sex workers. What? Wait, what? But I mean, think of all the paragraphs Lewis Carroll has Lewis ever Carroll written. Wrote, like thousands of you fucking could literally get any sentence out of the beginning of his paragraphs. But some someone made that realization. And I mean, it's pretty fucking it. weird. Uh, but also like in what? What prompts you to be like, I'm going to rearrange every Lewis Carroll because someone I, who doesn't have a true crime podcast. I decided he is a serial killer. Anyway, November 9th. I'm so confused. 
Mary Jeanette Kelly was 25, not in her 40s. Um, She was found in her room right off of Dorset Street, which is now Duval Street. Um, Okay, you guys there yet? Yep. We'll wait. Google Maps? We'll wait. We'll we'll wait. Elevator music. Are you on Duval Street? Okay, I think they're there. Okay, now look to your left. Okay. Um, And... What they found there was what was left of Mary Jeanette Kelly. <gasps> um, her rent collector found her and said, quote, I shall be haunted by this for the rest of my life. It looks more like the work of the devil than a man. <gasps> End quote. Mary's throat, typical, had been cut. Oh, no. Her nose and breasts had been cut no! off and dumped on the table nearby. Oh! So he just put them on the table. He was just like, I'm done with this now. He's like, eh, I don't want these anymore. I'm just all I think of is that old movie Flubber. <laughs> don't call it an old movie. Oh, I'm sorry. That makes me. I feel. like that. That's the part of all of that that you were offended <laughs> by. But, you know, like I'd imagine like a like a like a lone boob would feel like Flubber. I I'm guess. doing a hand wave. It's dance. like forty year old version where they're like, he's like, yes, Bags it feels like sand. sandbags. <laughs> but if you could, you know, like you just get like if you just get like a ball of boob, you know, yeah, yeah, it would be. More... It would just be kind of like you know those water snakes. Yeah, it would not be... actual water snakes, guys. It's like a toy. It's like a balloon filled with water, and like it just kind of moves around. You know those fun creatures that Em and I play with in the Fuck river. That. <laughs> no, those things that like fall. They like fall out of your hand because they're like they, those they're are fun, ever flowing, constantly moving. Those are fun. That'd be a, a lone boob. Yeah, but also if it's cu- chopped off, it probably have already bled out. So it's probably just like so. That's just nasty. like old tissue. Yeah, this is disgusting. I'm sorry if I offended anyone with boobs. Or without boobs. Listen, I'm not sorry. Okay. I'm I'm sorry if I offended Flubber. I'm just kidding. I'm actually really sorry if we offended you. Because <laughs> I'm so paranoid about it. We meant it in a, in a Flubber way. Guys, we just like boobs a lot. I'm sorry. God. I love boobs, guys. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I, lo- I would never want to disrespect boobs. Let's just know it's that It's like now. you love boobs and I love my boobs. Oh, there it is. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, we all feel bad for Mary Jeanette Kelly. Really, if... If anyone should be offended, it should be her rolling up in her grave. She's going to truly haunt us now. So the public outcry that came after this whole instance, um, the head of the police force, the chief of police, ended up resigning because he just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, fuck. Fair. I I mean, I don't blame him. Um, Also, when like shows like Law and Order aren't out and like you don't like normalize this in your own head and then you just walk into a room where this is like the freshest thing you've ever seen. I'm I'm not surprised he resigned. Well, and when you were saying that the rent collector was like, this looks like the work of the devil, not a human. And like nowadays, it's so like, sadly almost common and expected. Yeah, or it's even just part of pop culture where you're like, oh, people can do this. But I feel like back then it wasn't like it was the first of its kind normal to, to understand that a you man, can't compare it to anything. else. Yeah. So many people think that the police were the ones involved, like I said. Um, as a way to get sex workers off the streets. <gasps> well, that's what I was wondering when you said police might be involved. Holy, f- what because the, what a, the fuck? A lot of them weirdly fled at odd parts of the case. So like when one of them resigned, it happened to be right after oh a God. murder and then, no. and then no one else was murdered for a while or, um, someone 
ends up taking over the spot of another police officer who resigned and he just happened to know a lot of information and didn't have to divulge most of it and he had like the biggest picture so he could probably lead anyone in any direction he wanted do they think like they were paying someone or like they actually were a lot of people think the freemasons were involved with the police with the cover-up that it might have been some sort of ritual in a Freemason initiation or ceremony. And because they have people higher up, they were able to... Oh, so the police were able to just be mm-hmm. like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Holy shit. Or that some of the police were Freemasons and they just all That's look after each other. That's what I was other. wondering. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, there's, like I said, over 100 people who have been considered suspects. But the main one out there, he was a lawyer. And his name was Montague, of course. I mean... He, so a lot of people think that he was definitely Jack the Ripper because he was very involved with the police force during this time. And the last of the murders happened right before he disappeared Uh and his body was found floating in the Thames. What the fuck? Well, it was, yeah, it was found floating after the last murder and then no other murders happened. So a lot of people think that he was the, What, what was it like? Was he murdered or, like, do we not know? I We don't know. Oh, my God. For all we know, he could have, like, killed himself and he was floating around in the water. But after that, there were no more murders and he was a prime suspect so for a long time anyway. So it literally just stopped. Yeah. Oh, my God. So um, in 2011, uh, one British detective named Trevor Marriott was denied access to uncensored documents on the case by the Metropolitan Police because they include, quote, protected information from police informants. Mm-hmm. And handing it over could impede on possible future testimony. It's 2011. Yeah, what? Who's getting fucking charged? Future testimony? Yeah. Who's getting charged? Who's going to jail because of this? They're all dead. Everyone's dead. Just just open up the fucking files. Everyone's dead. Also in 2014, an author named Russell Edwards claims that he has proven who Jack the Ripper is with DNA because he somehow got his hands on the shawl belonging to Catherine Eddowes. And used the blood spatter on the shawl and found out that the DNA points to a man named Aaron Kosminski, who was a Polish immigrant and one of the prime suspects during the entire investigation. Many believe, like I said, that he was right-handed, but um, more recent discoveries say that might not be true. Um, There are many records that were destroyed during the London Blitz, and so we're slowly still figuring out which documents just got misplaced versus, like, totally destroyed. Um, but the most recent finding from a recent letter that got found in 1993, um, so I guess it's not as recent as like 2011, 2014, but the thing that's been sticking for the longest in recent years is that, um, one suspect named Francis Tumblety, um, he was a quack American doctor at the time of the murders. Oh boy. And he was considered a a suspect from the very beginning. He was known by friends and family to have jars of uterus specimens. Ugh. And when asked why he didn't invite women to dinner, his, quote, his face turned as black as a thundercloud and would say, no, I don't want any such cattle. <gasps> and if I did, I would, as your friend, sooner give you a dose of quick poison than take you into such danger. And he was known to, quote, fiercely denounce all women, especially fallen women. What the fuck? But apparently he matches the description and all that. So, uh, oh my God. So we still don't know who it is. No, we never will. Cause it's, it's too old. We never old. will. Oh my God. That's horrifying. Time machines. Are you listening? <clears throat> Hello? Hello. Fresh. Listen, 
Think of all the crimes we would solve if we could go back in time. Let's make it. Think of all the crimes we could commit. Oh, Oh, wow. No. TV show. Are you listening? TV? (sighs) TV. Hello, Fresh. Fresh, are you listening? Hello, Sci-Fi Network. Uh, Discovery? Take us. We'll do whatever you want. Travel channel. True TV. True TV. ID. The Learning Channel. Discovery. There's so many options. It's like, why aren't you here calling us? Hello, Drunk Mystery. Hello, Drunk Mystery. It's us. Okay. Are you ready for my ghostly adventures? Oh, yeah. So I... I was going to do the DLF pass. I thought you just might. I was going to. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, I just I changed my mind. All right. So you better do that soon. <clears throat> oh, I, I plan to. Okay, good. I actually kind of hope that you wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like you do a really good job of it, and I want to hear you do it. But also, I was like, you know what? There's something that I'm more passionate about and know more about and I'm more interested in. And it's not a typical ghost story. Uh, so I hope it still counts. But it's something I've been fascinated by since I was really little, and it's like past life experiences, like children who that's awesome experience like past lives. I love that shit, and I have a lot to say. Fascinating, right? Yes. So I've been studying this literally since I was probably ten when I got when we got a desktop computer, a Dell, and I was like <laughs> constantly googling weird shit, like children who were pilots in world war ii like mm-hmm. oh, i was really psycho they had a tv show for a while too uh yeah it was called um the ghost inside my child yes it was such a good show too a and e baby it was such a good show annie why the fuck annie, did you quit that are you listening hello fresh we want a show we want a show and we'll bring that back that was a great show the ghost inside us oh dark mystery the ghosts surrounding us the right. demons within. The demons within us. Crime con. <laughs> okay, so um, this is going to be sort of similar to your structure of the Black Eyed Kids episode, where it's kind of like... All I want are the stories. Just give me the stories. It's literally like some history theories and then just like a bajillion of people's stories. Good. It's so fast. That's all I want. Okay. So I just want to give credit. These are where I got... Okay, so I got a lot of information from Ranker, BuzzFeed, Psychology Today, Bustle, Collective Evolution, University of Virginia School of Medicine. Hey, UVA, how you doing? And a variety of other articles. So I just want to point out, like, this is not just from some blog. Like, I got this from all over the internet, including, like, actual medical websites. Um, Okay, so... I know that past life experiences slash the word reincarnation is a buzzword and a lot of people are like, oh, God, you can go ahead and turn off this episode if you'd like. That's no, fine. don't come but back don't. because it literally says in my notes, but don't turn off the episode. <laughs> Thanks, Em, because even if you don't necessarily believe in it, these stories are creepy and are unexplainable, even if it's not reincarnation or whatever. It's just still creepy shit. So as I was saying, a lot of people are like, bleh reincarnation but like past life experiences it's bullshit which okay you know it is kind of we respect your opinion we respect your opinion it's not proven blah, blah, blah. but don't drop the podcast yet okay? okay so here's some things i have to say uh a few decades ago american astronomer and astrobiologist carl sagan oh, my homie stated that quote There are three claims in the parapsychology field which, in my opinion, deserve serious study. 
One being that young children sometimes report details of a previous life, which upon checking turn out to be accurate and which they could not have known about in any other way than reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Amen. Quote Carl Sagan. Quote Carl Sagan. Just saying. For the people who like to use sources. Anyway, I assume every person who's a scientist is now on board, right? <laughs> I, yeah, yes. I think so. <laughs> the only one I'm waiting on is Neil deGrasse Tyson. You got oh, a quote please. from him? Come on. He's on there. He's been on board since day one. It's my man crush. What a boy. What a boy. So anyway, talking about UVA. University of Virginia psychiatrist, Dr. Jim Tucker. Mm -hmm. So he is one of the world's leading researchers on the topic of uh, past life experiences within children. Um, and he actually works at the University of Virginia School of Medicine in the Division of Perceptual Studies Department, which I envision you will probably be uh, an assistant or like a... Um, Whatchamacallit, when you're like a temporary professor, like a... An adjunct? Or like a visiting professor. Okay. I imagine you'll be a visiting professor there someday. Fun fact, my senior thesis in college was on the supernatural. Yes, that's it what was I on, thought. Yeah, it was on parapsychology. God, see, you belong here. My 40-page thesis... God damn it. ...was about um, ESP. Can I please read that? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't care. Okay, send it to me. Do you want to read mine? Sure. You're like, no. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. Uh, Division of Perceptual Studies Department. Blah, blah, blah. So in 2008, Dr. Jim Tucker published an article in a journal called Explore of several cases that suggest reincarnation. So the way that Jim Tucker describes reincarnation is that a typical reincarnation case um, is subjects reporting a past life experience, a past life experience, um, a hundred percent of subjects who report these experiences are children mm -hmm. and the age when they start remembering their past life is at 35 months. Jesus. So it's always, it like matches up from case to case that it's around 35 months. So like, what is that? Like two and a half? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Math. Well, 36. No, no, like three, almost three, two and a half, three years old. Yeah. Three years old. Uh, their descriptions are often remarkably detailed and specific, and the children typically st show very strong emotional involvement when they speak about their experiences. That's awesome. Some even cry and beg their parents to be to take them to what they say is their real, real family. family. Yeah. Uh, there's also a project called Aware, which was created by Dr. Sam Parnia, and I got really excited when I read this because... Um, so he's the assistant professor of medicine at Stony Brook University School of Medicine. Uh, he is really famous in the work of near-death experiences. Um, he actually wrote a book that I love that my dad recommended to me after he heard about he heard an interview with Dr. Parnia on NPR and recommended this book to me. And it's so, so good. It's called Erasing Death, the science that is rewriting the boundaries between life and death. And this he's like a a cardiologist like a doctor and he is he basically has all these case studies of people who've technically died and then like their experiences when they're resuscitated and mm -hmm. like oh i've i saw myself from the ceiling or he did this study where he would put like there would be like a painting or symbols or something above the bed where the person where the patient couldn't see it from their bed mm -hmm. and then after they were resuscitated or whatever they they could, could see it. describe what was happening like on the walls and what the image was above their head. So yeah. stuff like that. It's a really good book. Um, it's called 
erasing death. So I got really excited when this was part of the story. Um, bop, bop, bop. Anyway, the point is that there are medical doctors, like truly cardiologists and like cutting edge scientists uh, studying this phenomenon. Um, and there are a lot of theories out there that are actually being taken seriously by the scientific community. I'm going to say something. I'm ready for it. There are pretty strong arguments. Okay, so so we're going to talk about, real quick, past life regression. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Which is different. Mm-hmm. Different. Yes. So there are pretty strong arguments for and against past life regression, which I completely understand because um, it's typically done through hypnotherapy. So, you know, uh, people get really interesting stories and... Uh, you know, memories and suppressed memories and things like that. But it's like pretty, the argument that, um, you know, it's hypnotherapy and leading questions and that kind of thing. Like, I totally understand that. So, uh, skeptics have typically argued that like it's manufactured memories caused by the therapist leading questions, um, which I understand that argument. Um, however, according to recent research, which just blows my mind, uh, past life regression might not be as linked with reincar- reincarnation as people have always thought. So Brian G. Diaz, Ph.D., and Carrie Ressler, M.D., Ph.D., at the Yerkes National Primate Research Center in Atlanta, Georgia, recently discovered that memories can actually be inherited. So they used mice to demonstrate this, which my mother has told me since I was little, but apparently they only just now, like, confirmed s- have it. scientifically proven. It's been, like, a theory for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, cause my mom would always tell me like, like our family was, you know, lived through famine and lived through whatever. And it like the trauma is passed through DNA. And I always was kind of like, okay, that seems, I like- guess that can always be translated like psychologically. It could be translated as like, oh, well if they're stressed out and then like you're, you know, raised by them, then you just raise up, you are raised right. to be a nervous person. And then like being nervous and stressed is inherited because of the behavior, but it, it's cool that like the actual memory they can transfer literally proved that like trauma from like a great grandparent, whatever can like manifest in offspring. Right. Not it's just the, not just the causal behavior. No, exactly. Not just like the, the, the extra, like environmental right situation, but like the actual, um, DNA, it's so crazy it's like the image itself can transmit so this is what they said uh they used mice to demonstrate that an an aversion to the smell of rose blossoms was passed on to their offspring genetically and even more fascinating they determined that their dna of the offspring was actually altered as it was passed along to the offspring wild so they would create this aversion for the rodents or the mice and then they would study the sperm and the sperm would literally have been mutated to like crazy adopt this. So before the, like the offspring was even born, it had adopted this like, um, mutated gene or whatever to like develop this. So that's why they think a lot of times when people do past life regressions, they might just be accessing like, right. Trauma and fear that like, but didn't actually come from them. It's like, it's just something they inherited ancestry and it's getting muddied up, which I think is equally fascinating. Like if you're, if you're accessing stuff that's been in your like genetic line, but again, that's like completely different from this theory of like children who've experienced past lives. So I just want to put that out there because I think it's like equally fascinating, but it's a different topic. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, do you maybe want to hear some creepy things children have said to their parents about their past lives? So much. Oh my gosh. I, li- I hate that this is an episode where we have to like edit. I'm trying so hard to keep my mouth fucking shut. Why? I know I'm not doing a good job, but like I'm trying really hard. No, no. Why? Because I have you- so many stories to tell you about this. Wait, tell me all of them. You tell me yours first. Okay, I have like 8,000. I'm stoked. Okay. <laughs> this is your story. I'm trying to not, not carry it. It is, it is weird to have the other person do the, like... The thing you're most passionate yeah. about. Well, also, like, that... This in itself isn't even an episode. This is something you and I could talk about for probably five hours. And oh. they'll look at the clock and be like, that was ten minutes ago. I feel like we maybe got into this once. And it went way and, off the rails and it was 4 a.m. I think we chose to stop talking. Yeah, we... I miss when we used to talk until 4 a.m. Remember those days? Let's keep... Let's do that again Let's sometime. do that. Okay. Good. Maybe for our birthday. <gasps> let's have a sleepover and do that. Okay. Wouldn't that be so fun? Yeah. Okay. Um, so beep boop bop. So I'm going to tell you a couple like of the famous big stories and then just some like really short, like, uh, do what you got to do anecdotes. So, um, German therapist Trutz Hardo in his book, children who have lived before, uh, tells this story of this boy. Um, and the story was witnessed by a man named Dr. Eli Lash. The boy was of the Druze ethnic group. And in his culture, the existence of reincarnation is accepted as fact. Yes. He was born with a long red birthmark on his head. The Druze believe, as some other cultures do, that birthmarks are related to past life deaths. Yeah. When the boy was old enough to talk, he told his family he had been killed by a blow to the head with an axe. Damn. It is customary for elders to take a child at the age of three to the home of his previous life if he remembers it. What a great fucking tradition. Why can we not all just agree that that's respectful? (laughs) What if you were like, where did you live before? I'd be like... Just trust them. Rodeo Drive. My fucking ass would be like, outer space. Yeah. And then, <laughs> good luck. But also that makes sense. That's interesting that they agree that the 36-month thing. Cause it's they, interesting. Yeah, it really. like, yep, 3 o'clock. Three it matches. Old. It's 3 o'clock and you're 3 years old. I know, I heard it. It's 333. It's a magic number. Uh, a village local said the man the boy claimed to be the reincarnation of had gone missing four years earlier. Uh, His friends and family thought he may have strayed into hostile territory nearby. The boy also remembered the full name of his killer. Love it. When he confronted the man, the alleged killer's face turned white, but he did not admit to the murder. The boy then said he could take the elders to where the body was buried. (gasps) In that very spot, they found a man's skeleton with a wound to the head that corresponded to the boy's birthmark. They also found the axe, which was the murder weapon. So, faced with the evidence, the murderer admitted to the crime and <gasps> said he had killed the man. Uh, so, that's, that's one story. <laughs> how? Okay, anyone listening right now, how can you not... If there's a skeptic out there, I need you to explain Listen, yourself. these stories go on and on and on and on. There's thousands. There's thousands. How can you not believe this? And I understand that some people are like, well, it's a lie and the parents are... But, like... All of these stories, they can't all be they yeah. It that kind of shit. All right, you explain that to me. And they were just like, Yep, this is normal. Okay. Like it that, wasn't okay, weird but, to them. You know what's weird to me is that you think it's weird that it's not weird because you and I are going to be those exact parents. Oh for sure. If my child Take was me to your killer. Okay, can we make an agreement right now on audio record when our children are three years old, we must ask them 
where they came from just to see if they have an answer. Yes, but I will say that the advice from Dr. Jim is that you don't ask kids. You just let them tell you? Because otherwise they're likely to just make up answers. Okay, but what does like Dr. Bill Nye say? He's probably all about it. Listen, Bill Nye says a lot of things. But he's also very fond of the scientific method, which is not about leading questions. So I think, listen, I'll tell you. I know. I, my kid, I'm going to be disappointed Just if they try- don't have a story at three years old. Oh, my God, Em. I expect a lot from them. I like how some, some parents are like, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't like learn the violin by age 10. Oh, You're my like, kid never has to learn a musical instrument, but they better have a past life. Your poor kid's going to just make up a fucking story. <laughs> just to make me happy. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, listen, just tell him that, like, you were a fucking pharaoh and it'll be fine. I'll lose my mind. Okay, here we go. Here's another one. But this one isn't actually a child, which I thought was interesting. This is the only mm-hmm. one that's not a child. Okay. Retired assistant fire chief Jeffrey Keene felt inexplicably overcome with emotion and strange physical sensations when he visited the site of the Civil War Battle of Antietam as a tourist. When discussing these sensations later, the words not yet appeared strongly in his mind. He took a new interest in the Civil War, and while flipping through a magazine on the topic, the words not yet in quotation marks jumped out at him. General John B. Gordon had emphatically repeated, not yet, while holding his troops back at the Battle of Antietam. Oh, no. Which he hadn't known. The physical resemblance between himself and Gordon was striking, and I looked up photos, and they literally the same face his chin has this like crazy jut out of it and like the old-timey civil war dude mm-hmm. also has the same ch- it's really weird like he could he might have been oh that gave me so many chills it's bananas so the physical resemblance between himself and gordon was striking furthermore many of Keene's fire crew seem to resemble people who fought for gordon in the civil war <gasps> like they all came back together yes band of brothers come on wow keen discovered other similarities between himself and gordon including birthmarks on his body where gordon had been injured uh this case was studied by dr walter semku a psychiatrist who works as a reincarnation expert at the institute for the integration of science so that's one <sighs> you know it makes me so mad like i'm so jealous i would love to know my past life but see this is why people say it's it really is that why people say like be skeptical because so many people like want that to be i know part of their story or their child you've got a story like that like i oh no it's amazing so heartwarming yeah it's like really really cool but that's why they say like sometimes they like parents will encourage their kid to like Right. Keep talking, but kids also do have an imagination. So sometimes, like it is, kids just being like, "Yeah, my dog's name was Molly," and like make up stories. I went to Sedona, Arizona, one time, and I got a past life regression reading, <gasps> but I don't really believe it. What happened? She gave me three stories. I have entirely forgotten the first one she told me. The second one, I was a woman who fell in love with a man who uh, we were having our an unexpected child together but we were both very happy and we got married because of the pregnancy this was in like it sounded very much like 1700s ish and apparently i died from the childbirth then this one sounds more up my alley i was a cowboy 
Yeah, that's better. But I also still don't feel it. Like, I'm telling you, I know I said it on the show before. I know I was like, most of my lives were from the colonial period. Yeah. I know it. Like, I don't need a past life regression to know that. It's a very weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And you're from Egypt. Yeah. And Greece. Oh, okay. That's another one that's been always through my life. I always told myself I think I died at Woodstock. Oh, whoa. But I think I just really wish I went to Woodstock. Really? Yeah. I didn't know you were like a Woodstock fan. High school was a different time for me. Me too. I was very much a Woodstock kind of person. Me too. Wow, we're the same person. Maybe I was you in a past life and you were me. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Quantum physics. So here's the story of Ryan. Tell me. So when Ryan was four years old, he started experiencing frequent horrible nightmares. Uh, When he turned five, he made an announcement to his mother, quote, I used to be somebody else. He would often talk about going home to Hollywood and would beg his mother to take him there. He told her detailed stories about meeting stars like Rita Hayworth, dancing on dancing in Broadway productions and working for an agency where people would frequently change their names. He even remembered that the name of the street he used to live on had the word rock in it. Ryan's mother, Cindy, said that his stories were so detailed and so extensive that it just wasn't like a child could have made it up. Cindy decided to check out some books about Hollywood from her local library, thinking that maybe something inside would catch her son's attention, and it did. So they were flipping through, and this, like, they had a bunch of books about old-time Hollywood, basically. And all of a sudden, Ryan stopped her and said, Oh, that's me. And just pointed to a photo and was like, oh, there I am. And what like, are the odds that he, that would like he would be in the book? Well, they they got like a ton of ton of material and okay. they were just going through and going through. And there was one photo and he goes, oh, there I am. And oh. and then named the other people in the photo. Crazy. Yeah. Um. So they decided to seek the help of that Jim Tucker guy I was telling you about. Uh, and he started researching. After approximately two weeks, a Hollywood film archivist was able to confirm the identity of the man in the photo. Like, it was just like a random guy in a photo. Uh, The photo was from a film called Night After Night, and the man was named Marty Martin. And he had been a movie extra and then later a powerful Hollywood agent before passing away in 1964. He had danced on Broadway, worked at an agency where stage names were often created for new clients, traveled overseas to Paris, and had lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive when he said, I lived on a street with a rock in it. Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. Ryan was also able to recall how many children Martin had and how many times he was married, which is crazy because he knew Martin had two sisters, but Martin's own daughter didn't know that her dad had two sisters. So he was like, yeah, I had two sisters. And the daughter was like, no, he didn't. And then they looked into it and like, apparently he did, but he just had never told his kids about it. Weird. Yeah. Oh, so he, so he met his kids basically. Yeah. So he met his kids. Uh, yeah, I think they did bring him to LA. That's awesome. And he was like a child. Imagine though, right now getting an email. How creepy is that? And someone's like, I know this is really weird, but I have a three-year-old. How weird. Who is your father or like someone that passed away and they they want to say hi it's so weird it's like an added creep factor to like 
oh, someone died and then their ghost came to say hi. It's like, oh, they died and then came back and now are saying hi to my face. And they're here in person. Right. So weird. And they remember you. Yeah. Yeah. So creepy. He also, so he remembered 55 specific facts from uh, Marty Martin's life. But then by the time he was like about six or seven, pretty much all of it was gone. That's sad. Which is typical. I know, but sad too. Um, Okay. Here's another one. This is a really famous one. So after turning two, James started to experience vivid nightmares that would make him scream in his sleep. On May 1st, 2000, his mother, Andrea, heard her son screaming. Airplane crash, plane on fire. I love this one. Little man can't get out. Andrea ran to his bedroom and saw James struggling under his sheets. The same nightmare kept recurring four to five times a week. When Andrea asked who the little man in the plane was, James replied, it's me. When Bruce... His father asked James who shot his plane down. James said, the Japanese. (laughs) When he was asked how he knew that it was the Japanese who shot down his plane, James replied, oh, the big red sun. Okay. He told, like, the flag. Right. He told him that his ship's name was the Natoma. When his parents asked for the names of other people in the nightmares, James stated that uh, his name had been James also. Okay. Which was his current name. Right. And that he had a friend who was his co-pilot named Jack Larson. Uh, He also started to demonstrate an unusual knowledge about airplanes. For example, when his mother gave him a toy plane with what looked like a bomb under it, James looked at it and said, that's not a bomb, mommy. That's a drop tank. Oh, my God. And like knew all these weird specific details about the planes and what they were called like all i mean i didn't include all the details but like he knew what all the different types of planes were called and his parents were like we didn't know what the hell was going on like that's cool though yeah it's crazy except that it was also traumatizing but it was crazy (laughs) so um james's dad bruce got a book on aircraft carriers uh that were engaged in the pacific they were going through it when James stopped his father at a section on the Battle of Iwo Jima and told his dad that that's where his plane was shot down and crashed and where he died. Uh, Bruce, his dad, was like, uh, what the fuck, and researched it, found out that there was a uh, there was a ship called the Natoma, and it had participated in the Battle of Iwo Jima, which was just so specific. Right. For your... For five-year-old or whatever to, yeah. to know um so uh james also gave his gi joe dolls really unusual names including billy leon and walter which were names that his parents had never heard or like none of his friends were oh, named they that. Were his buddies and they asked why he called his gi joe dolls those names and he said because that's who met me when i got to heaven oh i know So Bruce was, uh, his dad was like a pretty staunch Christian. He was like a little bit alarmed by this and he did not want to accept that this was, you know, a past life. Like he was just really like hesitant to, Mm -hmm. to kind of give into that. Um, but James's knowledge of World War II aircraft where they couldn't figure out how the hell he knew this stuff made him like inspired him to research the details Um, And he started searching through military records and archives and learned that the Natoma Bay crew held reunions. So he decided to attend one of the reunions 
and went to the fir- his first Natoma Bay reunion in San Diego on September 11, 2002, a year after mm-hmm. 9-11. At the reunion, Bruce learned that 18 aircraft carrier pilots from the Natoma Bay had died during service in the Pacific. One of them, one of the pilots was named James Houston Jr., and his co-pilot was named Jack Larson. Bruce also learned that James Houston was the only pilot to die in the invasion of Battle of Iwo Jima, and he died on March 3rd, 1945. So, literally, he had said, oh, my friend, Mm -hmm. Jack Larson, and Jack Larson was literally the co-pilot of a guy named James Houston Jr., and James would sign all his, like, when he would, he would draw these really intricate drawings of, like, helicopter crashes and, like, plane crashes, and he would sign them James and then the number three. And he was like James Jr. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now he was the third James. Oh. So he was signing them like he James was signed- three. Oh my gosh. It was pretty bizarre. And they kept asking him and he's like, that's my name. Like he didn't, couldn't explain it. That's so weird. All right. So the rest of these are pretty, pretty just like short little anecdotes. Okay. When my daughter was in kindergarten, she had the hardest time with letters, mixed up B's with V's and H's with N's. Her teacher didn't know how much, how such letters could be mixed up, and neither could I until I was helping her read one night. She kept asking me what sounds the letters made. She kept saying, I don't remember those. I showed her an H and asked her if she remembered that one. She nodded and said confidently, that makes an N sound. She kept saying how she thought there were more letters. I asked her what kind of letters she thought there were. And she wrote some out for me. And then there's a list of Russian letters. Oh. And then she said, more than that, too. I asked her where she learned those. <laughs> she said, Vlad taught me before he disappeared. I asked her who Vlad was. She claimed he was her brother. She kept telling me that he disappeared. And the next day, a man came and killed her family. Oh. <laughs> what? It's like a list of Russian alphabet Jesus. <laughs> Okay, here we go. My daughter had a nightmare that she was playing paper dolls in her mom's bathroom when a man came in and murdered her and her brother. She's never even seen paper dolls before. So I looked it up, and sure enough, there was a girl her age nearby who was murdered while playing with paper dolls in her mom's bathroom in the 1970s. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Our son is named after a Marine that was killed in action... On my husband's last deployment. One day when he was three, we drove by the military base where his namesake is buried. And our son said, I'm buried over there in the ground. You know, from when I died fighting bad guys with daddy. Very interesting, though, that like you really lucked out naming him after the person that ended up reincarnating into your son. Like, if you had two friends who passed away, and you named one... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And they're just petty for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Like, although, I feel like... I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like maybe you, like, know to name your kid after... Yeah, it just happens. You Because, like... I think you just know. You just know sometimes, I think, like... Not that I've had a kid, but my mom would say, like, oh, I knew you were someone that I knew. Like... Yeah. It might just click. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, before... Okay, so I said... You know, from when I died fighting bad guys with daddy, before I was your kid. (laughs) She said we'd never even visited that place before. He had no clue that Graveyard was there. Um, That's another question, too, of, like, if you imagine you have a kid right now. Imagine. Yeah. 
And then all of a sudden they start talking to you about like random shit you did like in college or something. And then you like find out that your friend from college passed away and this person knows all your deepest, darkest secrets, but it's your three-year-old child. They're like, you're a fucking drunk mom. No, your child's going to be like, remember that time we got hammered together? Oh, how awful. Mom, remember those Rumple, Rumpelman's shots we took? Oh, my God. Or imagine them going to their teacher and being like, my mommy and I did shots. Oh, my God. And then you go to jail. And you're like, no, no, it's just... I love that you laugh when it's like, you go to jail. <laughs> it's like, no, no, my kid just is having a past life regression. It's fine. It's fine. I live in LA. You understand. It doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't help. Here we go. My three-year-old niece told me she used to drive. I said, when you're older, I guess... But she shook her head in frustration and said, no, when I was a grown-up, now I'm too small. I humored her and asked her what, car- what her car was like. She told me in the surest tone, a 66 Chevy Camaro. Damn, good she, taste. She continued, that's a nice car. Favorite, till it crashed. Can, oh. can I watch Teletubbies? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, next. My husband and I joke that our son is my dad reincarnated because he's just like him. He was conceived three months after my dad passed away from a sudden heart attack and was born with a birthmark right over his heart. If that's not enough, the first three letters my son ever wrote were G-U-Y, which was my dad's name, Guy. Wow. I was watching The Great Gatsby at my friend's house and her three-year-old brother started talking about going to parties like those and about the financial crisis that followed. (laughs) Three-year-old? God, the economy these days, I don't even care if that's real. I just think it's funny. (laughs) Okay. I would tell my older sister about my death. I told her my husband was captured and fire was everywhere. I took my young son and ran. I told her my son couldn't run fast enough. I knew we would get killed. And I had my husband's knife on me. I wanted to leave a clue. I wrote in capitals, Croatoan, which was the word carved into a tree on Roanoke Island at the site of the Lost Colony in 1590, by the way. (laughs) Remember the missing Mm -hmm. Roanoke Colony? Yeah. Croatoan. So when she was a little girl, she said, so I carved the name Croatoan into a tree. And I knew we'd be captured. I told her we were caught and how my son was killed and then I was killed. I told her I was stabbed in the stomach with a knife. Then I went about playing with my dolls. <laughs> oh, oh, man. She says, I can still picture the scene and my son in that life to this day. Damn. That's and wild. That's weird. That Because Croatoan is such a specific such, word. Such like a, a three-year-old. It's to, not like frog or cat yeah i I wrote my name in the tree yeah it's like a very well-known yeah it's pretty wild when my kid was four we were watching a documentary on the titanic the scene was a picture of the schematics of the boiler room and the camera panned from left to right over the plans he pointed at the tv and said that's wrong the boilers were on the other side and i was right there and he pointed to a small space in the boiler room that's where i was and that's why i don't like water anymore Oh, fuck. (laughs) How fucked up is that? That's wild. How fucked up is that? Okay. My daughter was born with a heart condition and is very sickly. One day she said that she missed the old not sick her. I asked her what she missed since she had been born sick. She said, you know, me, but the other me with red hair. Aw. That's sad. And creepy. And creepy. 
When my daughter was about three, my sister and I were telling her about the day she was born. She corrected us by saying, you mean the day I came back? (gasps) (laughs) Shut the fuck up. This is one that I heard a long time ago. Getting my two and a half year old daughter out of the bath one night, my wife and I were briefing her on how important it was she kept her privates clean. She casually replied, oh, nobody scroofs me there. They tried one night. They kicked the door in and tried, but I fought back. I died, and now I'm here. What the fuck? She said this like it was nothing. My wife and I were catatonic. (laughs) Two and a half years old. Oh, my God. And she said they kicked the door in and tried to scroof me down there. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Fuck. Can you imagine? Um, This is another quote from a kid. Before I was born here, I had a sister, right? Her and my other mom are so old now. They were okay when the car was on fire, but I sure wasn't. Oh, my God. (laughs) I wonder if those people could, like, if they still retain the memories, like, then Facebook them later. Me too, because it's like, well, and some of them have found, like, the people, there was one story of of a boy who said he had died in this village or whatever, and they brought him back, and his widow, like, he was like a little boy, and the widow was asking him questions, and he knew all the answers. It was so trippy, like... That's okay. Here's the thing. We always talk about like if one of us died, like how we would haunt each other. But here's the thing. If you die like tomorrow and then I have a kid one day and it comes back and it's you and like that plane thing where like he was like, oh, that's not a bomb. That's a tank something. If I ever point on a microphone, my kid is like, no, that's that's the stuff we got from our sponsor. And this is audio boom. Your kid's (laughs) like, listen. Oh, my God. If my kid has the wine, I was going to say if my kid's favorite food is wine. (laughs) I'm going to be like, oh, no. But we need a code. We need a code. You're welcome to your future self. If I die tomorrow and then come back as your child, if you ask, there has to be a certain question that you ask. What's the question? The question is, what's the question? What if I went, hello? And then I have to wait for that. Can you imagine if a three-year-old went fresh? (laughs) (laughs) Now that's how you know. That's creepy. Hello. All right. Fresh. That's it. That's the key. Okay. What's right. the password? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard it here. Okay. Listen. I have more. Yes. I was singing a song to my three-year-old daughter that my great-grandma used to sing to me when I was small. My daughter smiled, stroked my cheek, and said, I remember when I used to sing this to you when I was the mommy and you were my little girl. Aww. That happens a lot in these stories. That does happen a lot. And I do definitely have a strong, strong belief that, like, the closer you are to someone, whether it's familial or friendly, but like the closer you are to someone, the absolutely more likely you are to go into the next life together. 100%. So I mean, like that guy being a general and all the soldiers and then yeah, them all coming, coming back to the him? same firehouse. Oh my God. How crazy. That's very much like, I mean, I'm a strong believer in the universe puts you with the right people or keeps you with the right yeah. people. Yeah. Like I don't know. Totally. No, I, I have, have recurring dreams of my mom and me, and it's always flip-flops. There's a dream where I'm her dad, mm-hmm. and she's my daughter, and then there's a dream where she's my mom, and we're in Egypt, and I'm her daughter. Like, we did, I have these, like, recurring dreams where we flip-flop roles, but it's always, like, we're child and parent. Anyway. All right. Next. When my brother was about two or three, he told us his name used to be Austin. One day, we were picnicking right alongside a cemetery when my brother took off running towards the gravestones. My dad and I followed him and found him touching a large headstone that simply read, 
Here lies Austin. Oh, shit. No name, no date. My brother didn't know how to read. Uh, and this headstone wasn't visible from where we were, yet he ran right to it and couldn't stop touching it. Isn't that weird? Just still connected. So weird. So weird. Uh, Luke was two years old when he started talking to his parents uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, about a past life in which he had black hair, was a woman named Pam, and died in a building fire in Chicago after trying to escape by jumping out the window. Mm. Which, like, what a creepy, specific thing for Mm -hmm. a small child to say. And to not be phased by it. Just be like, yeah, this is what happened. I jumped out a window and died. An African-American woman named Pamela Robinson had died in 1993 in a fire at the Paxton Hotel in Chicago. She had jumped out a window while the building burned. Luke's parents asked him what color his skin was when he was Pam. He's Caucasian. He replied without hesitation, black. His mother printed out several photographs of different African-American women, including one of Pamela Robinson. Luke pointed to the photo of Robinson and said, oh, that's Pam. (laughs) <laughs> hey girl luke's story was told by the a e network program the ghost inside my child mm-hmm. okay i like that show a lot because they also if you if those ca- kids had any um memory of having kids they would intentionally try to pair them together i always thought that was cool wait what like if the kids said in, that in their past lives they had children the oh the then network, they would bring them together the network would bring oh, them that's together pretty dope I always thought that was pretty that's cool. That's the only type of reality TV I want to work in. I, like, hope that one day someone would contact me and be like, so my child apparently used to be um, I'm gonna someone do you that. knew. I'm going to be like, my goddamn child. I know. I just, I would like to think that if there's anyone out there that's three years old and remembers me from a previous life, if they were to contact me, I'd be on board. I'd be like, find them. I want to talk to them. That'd be cool. <laughs> I want to watch that web series. God damn it. <laughs> Just me with a bunch of small children like, and me quizzing I'm them on it. about me. <laughs> Talking to this microphone. Okay, almost done. A couple more. When my daughter was three, she told me several times that she knew me, my sister, my mother, and my dad before she was here now. She said all of us women wore white dresses and worked in white tents with red crosses on them. She said, we all helped fix Grandpa after he got poomed. Poomed? Which was her word for gunshot sounds <gasps> when she was little. Oh, so sad. She also told me that we have taken turns being the mommy. She said I was doing a good job this time. Aww. I've actually accidentally called her mommy a couple times when I was really tired. Which just Kinda is spooky. so interesting. It's her three-year-old daughter. Uh, my little boy spoke what sounded like German as a baby without hearing it before. And when he was older, we had a German babysitter that was surprised we only spoke English because she said he was speaking low German at her house. Oh. <laughs> that, is, that is you. That's, That's me. Christine. Hello. I am a prodigy and also reincarnated. Okay. So those are all the stories that I have, but here's like a little tidbit. I was researching, like, the studies they do on these children and families, etc. So this is what to do if your child is talking about memories that appear to relate to a past life. Dr. Tucker's advice, which can be found on the University of Virginia School of Medicine's website, 
is to be respectful, especially if the child is showing a lot of emotion about the memories, and avoid asking pointed questions, because asking specific questions could lead the child to make up answers on the spot, which would could blur memory and fantasy, mm-hmm. and then it kind of muddies you know, the real answers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it could also upset the child if they're emotional about the topic, especially if it's about how they died or their mm-hmm. past family. Uh, what you should do is ask general open-ended questions, such as, do you remember anything else? Also, make sure to write down any statements about a past life the child makes, especially if it will help to identify a deceased individual they might be describing. Mm. So he said, make sure to write it down or ideally record it just so you have it. Fair. If it needs to be researched. Um, Parents also should not become so focused on these statements that they and their children lose sight of the fact that their current life is what's most important now. Um, If children continuously say they want their old family or their old home, it's helpful to explain that while they may have had another family in the past, their current family is the one they have for this life. Uh, Parents should should acknowledge and value what their children have told them while making clear that the past is still in the past. Uh, He also says they do not recommend that children undergo past life regression hypnosis because it's just a lot for Mm -hmm. a young brain. Right. Um, And if you do have children who are currently talking about memories that appear to relate to a past life, this seems like a um, Dr. Phil or Maury show pitch, but email University of Virginia's Division of Perceptual Studies at dops at virginia.edu. Wahoo! Oh, but... But actually, just email us. Yeah, but email us. Because we just want to know. And all your information will be kept private and confidential. Not by us, but by them. My grandpa that um, I still feel around me all the time that I saw um, when I was little. Yeah. He supposedly um, is now my cousin, Leah. Um, What? Well, his name was Lenny. (gasps) And my cousin was named after him. And before she was born, he was building her a rocking horse. Oh. And then when she was in her crib one day, after my grandpa had passed away, he, he died and then she was born. Very close to each other. Yeah. And then he, she was named after him. And she was in her crib and when she was able to talk, she pointed at the rocking chair, the rocking horse and said, I made that. And then <laughs> my aunt was like, no, you know, grandpa made that. And she was like, yeah, I made that for Leah. How fucking crazy is that? Yeah. That's nuts. And apparently they look a lot alike. I say apparently because when he died, I was seven, so I don't really remember what he looks like. That's wild, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating topic. Anyway, it's something I've been obsessed with forever, so I just wanted to have my moment to rant about it. It makes me think about a lot. Like, we could talk about this for another hour because I have a lot of theories and a lot of things I want to talk about, but I don't want to bore anyone or make you have to edit it out so i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut well we'll just do like a a a patreon episode or something oh that's a good idea let's do a patreon episode on it i really have so many things to say about me too i have like personal stuff too but we're like at two hours so we should probably oh we'll 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 cut it okay but so we'll do that for like a patreon thing okay cool well thank you guys for uh tuning into our anniversary episode we truly never thought we'd ever get here No, and we're so happy and proud and we love you all so much a whole year of seeing each other every week that's bananas that's that's the part that's crackers it's bananas because we literally weren't even like close before we started this we weren't and now we've officially committed 
to seeing each other a career multiple times a week truly a career i mean the thing that like i remember when m first came over i was like oh no and i vacuumed and i lysoled and whatever <laughs> and now i'm like god damn it M's coming over i'm not gonna fucking lysol the counters <laughs> like i don't vacuum when M comes over but that's how we were when we first started the podcast that's that's how you know that we weren't really friends yes. because like we were trying to impress each other i was like i don't want M to see my dirty carpets and now i'm like i don't give a fuck you have a real question where's the geo wine on the bar downstairs we should put that up here i think so yeah but no that's it's been quite a ride. It's a ride. It's been a fucking ride. All right, I, let's wait. Let's speak into existence. Where are we a year from now? Oh, man. We didn't even think we'd be this far. Like, what are we going to do a year Future from now? Future us has oh to God. listen back to this part of this episode to make sure that uh, our dreams came true. Future you is going to make future me, like, edit it where I have to go find this clip. And... Hi, future me. Oh, Put God. that in, in the future. All right. Okay. Well, what about in a year where... We have a TV show in the works. Wow. That's a Drunk tall mystery. A tall order. I, I'm down. Our, I mean, a tall order was also that we have a room full of shit people sent us. That's true. A year, okay, truly a year ago today, if we were to have spoken into existence, we could have not even listed the things no, that we have now. No. I remember saying, if anyone ever sends me anything, wine then that's like the epitome of anything I could ever accomplish in life. Our goal when we first started Patreon was if we ever hit double digits, if we ever got $10. Like more than $10, yeah. Yeah. That and was... now this is becoming like an actual career where we can just like... This really is becoming a job. I mean... It's amazing. Yes. It's becoming a full-fledged job. It's It has moved from a hobby to like a true commitment it's it not really, yeah it's not like oh well just do this when i get bored it's like oh this has to get done and this has to get done and this has to get done but it's awesome but it's i've the never best job i never thought i'd have a job that no. i like no it's really crazy that we no we literally created our own job like we, <laughs> isn't that wild yeah it's bananas we created our own job and we have people that listen to us and oh man listen I've, okay a year from today a tv deal would be a fun thing to flirt with okay 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 i'll take so it. my because i just think based on our knowledge of how long it takes for something to get greenlit and all that nonsense i think the idea of someone suggesting like having a tv deal as a reality fair a potential reality not saying that we'll have a tv show because that's impossible but to have someone talking to us about a tv deal would be wonderful i understand for us to be going live Live is for sure, I think, on the table. A live tour. That'd a live be fun. Live tour would be, would be my ideal for next year. That'd be fun. Someone tell us how to do that and we'll do it. Let's see. What else? We need three things. Three big things. Well, I will say that I tweeted this, but I had a dream last night that M surprised me with a trip to um, Portland, Oregon for our first live show. And then we got there and realized we were accidentally in Portland, Maine. And M was like, whoops. And I was like, well, all right. I guess we'll just make do. You Okay. The third thing that we're going to manifest is not that I never fuck up again because that's impossible. <laughs> that I'm, I can't promise you that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> well, it seems like pretty standard of what... Maybe my... the goal is that we get to either Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine. Let's go to Portland something. Okay. Okay. That's a reasonable... Let's shake on it. We'll go to Portland something. Okay. That's okay, a reasonable okay. deal. Shake. Okay. 
All right. We shook on it. We're going to be in Portland. So one of three things will happen within the next year. Who knows what? <laughs> Hopefully. We don't. <laughs> Hopefully all three. Let's hope we end up You know what would be Portland. a nice... Let's do a, a stretch. A okay. stretch one. Okay. We can quit our other jobs <gasps> and just make this podcast the best fucking thing it's ever been. Listen, let's create an empire. Let, let's be the Chris Jenners of <laughs> And That's Why We Drink. I don't want to be that. I Linda will do it. All right, fine. Linda and Renata can be that. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, we love you, and thank you for making this a possibility for us. You can find us on all the places that I always list. Mm-hmm. And that's why we drink. <laughs> Bye. You have to do the flick. Oh, shit. Oh, wait. Oh, here we go. Oh, there's milk. There's ice cream all over it. And that's why we drink. Bye. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.